Conversations on Karate. I'm Sue. I'm Greg. Hello, how are you today? I'm good, how are you? I'm very well. I think we're both rather tired today, We are, it's early again. Yeah. So we have a bit of a, I don't know, I think we have a bit of an eclectic mix of things to talk about today. Yeah, we do. Well, you do. We do, yeah. Well, I'm going to start off with a question because I genuinely have a question. Okay. Tell me about my... Muay Thai? Muay Thai. Yes, tell me about that, because I've seen some debates kicking off, as in, it's not effective, but I saw some really interesting comments about it, like it's got really good um, clinches. Yeah. And it is, and I've seen bits of footage of it, and it looks really effective. I wouldn't say it's not effective at all, so... Tell me about Muay Thai, because seriously, I, I really don't know. I mean, about I it. can't believe anyone would say it's not effective at all. I mean, it's it's proven its worth, especially you know, like twenty years ago when they when it started being used in kickboxing matches and everyone was getting leg kicked to hell. It, it proved it's proven its worth, especially in MMA today. You know, it's one of the more prominent striking arts in MMA. Like I said, the clinch is great. You elbows, knees, they don't headbutt, obviously, which is prohibited, but... Why is that prohibited in it? I don't know why, I don't know, but they just don't do it. They have um, their clinches different, if if I understood that correctly as well, than the, the one that we have is that one hand round the back of the neck, the other one controlling the forearm. Yeah, I mean, their clinch is, is slightly different. I mean, they, they they use what's called a plum clinch, where both hands are around the back of the neck. Yeah. Um, And their their bodies are normally closer to each other to prevent the knees from coming in. Oh, I see. Um, but I mean, if you if you want to learn clinching, there is no better place to learn it than from Muay Thai. It's a very close striking yeah. art, then. Um, it is. I mean, it's, it's it's got you know punches, kicks, elbows, knees. Their round kick is probably the most effective you're going to get from anywhere. Really? Why? It's just insanely powerful. The way they kick. Some people think it looks clumsy, mm. and I can see that it it, it might do, but. Just the way they condition their shins makes for a very, very nasty round kick. Really? And you would not want to get... I mean, if you you look at kind of the the traditional karate roundhouse kick where you kind of hinge from the knee, so you lift the knee and hinge at the knee, theirs is just straight from the hip, like a bat. If you you look at comparisons between the two, you'll see the difference. Mm. Um, Same with their front kick, what they call a teep off the front leg. It's it's more of a push than like a a snap where we where we do a front kick. And I spied with Muay Thai people before, and and ours is definitely quicker from from what I've experienced, or at least from me. I landed more, but theirs is more of a it's more of a push. It drives you back more and opens up space to land other things. Oh, that's cool. It's worth it's worth looking into Muay Thai. Yeah, I can't believe anyone would say it's not effective. I might have I might have misinterpreted that, I mean, but I th- I think. Um... Anyway, the rest of the conversation that I saw open up was, you know, very interesting, talking about that. Yeah, I mean, people, a lot of people, I think Pat McCarthy has argued that um, Thai boxing was one of the main influences in karate from back in the day. I mean, you can definitely see it, especially the old-style Muay Thai, where it's less of a sport and more, more of a self-defence art. So, yeah, you, you can... You can argue that it has one of the main influences in karate from from many years ago. Mm. Yeah, that's good. I think I think there's an awful lot of people want their own art to be the best. To be the, yeah. you know, I think I'm I'm observing that a lot. You do you know? see it. It, it. it just makes me laugh. I I can't understand why people think that. Yeah, I think I think people 
I'm, I'm getting the impression that people are deeply attached to their own art and really feel it's an art that they study and, and love deeply. And There's nothing wrong with that. I think when you, when you feel like that about something, it can be, yeah, when, when people are critical of it or anything, it, it's, um, it can, you know, you really want to step up and defend it, but I'm seeing so much crossover. Because mm. obviously I'm coming to this from, like, having no background in When you say crossover, what do you mean crossover between arts? Yeah. Well, like you said, there's, you know, there's a heavy Muay Thai influence in some of karate, isn't there? Like you've yeah, just said. Yeah, you can definitely argue it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you can, you know, that we know that karate originally came from China, yeah? Yes, some parts of it. So, yeah. it's, it's a, the, the things I've seen, again, I think this is Patrick McCarthy that brought this out. If I'm wrong, then forgive me, Hanshi McCarthy, but I hope I'm not. He kind of wrote a piece that said, there was, I think, four main influences in the development of karate as we know it today. So you had uh, Tagumi, which is the Okinawan form of wrestling. You had what's known as Torite or Chinna, which is a Chinese form of like seizing and control, joint locking, which was used by like law enforcement in Okinawa. You had Kata, which came from China. So that's where you get your kind of southern Chinese-based martial arts from. So if you look at a lot of, especially the Gojiru kata, a lot of the kata from karate are southern Chinese based. And then you have T or Te, which is Okinawa's striking art. And that's where people think that Mui Boran or Muay Thai influence came in, mm. in the development of T. And then you add all those together and you eventually get karate. Mm. So yeah, you could, it's, it comes from China, it comes from Japan, it comes from Okinawa, it comes from everywhere. Okinawa being like a, a main trade route for a lot of outside countries you get you had a lot of outside influences from different places in the development of it that's why people argue it's the original mma because it's just so many different arts that have been blended of, yeah, together just in a massive melting pot yeah yeah i like that i like that i love that idea that what you're practicing has actually got so many different roots but that's why it makes me laugh when people we, we talk about traditional all the time and people think of traditional as just Japanese karate from 1940 onwards. It's not. It's, you couldn't it's be further from not, the truth. No, that's no. just not. That's just a, um, a relatively modern way of yeah. harmonising something that was that already existed. And like you said, trying to make that available to more people at yeah. the same time so that it could be taught to a larger group. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, which is, that's reasonable. You can see why that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get the other foot. I mean, you get people kind of disparaging that kind of karate but you have to remember without that kind of karate we wouldn't be practicing it today it's and just as simple for as it. that there's yeah. room for it because lots of people really enjoy that and get a lot of benefit from it not everyone wants to be going up for competition or no, God, no. doing self-defense or grappling or or you know doing a lot of sparring not Definitely everyone not. wants to do that we've established that many times yeah. that there's <laughs> many ways that you can do different kinds of karate well, like i've said before karate it, it needs to be appealing to everyone there yeah. needs to be something for everyone yeah and if there's not then you you you, you lose half of your potential people that are going to learn it and pass it on yeah i think it's good i don't know i don't know where i was going with that <laughs> it's good it's good it's good whatever it's good we'll leave it as good <laughs> <laughs> yeah but now go go back to, to muay thai Anyone who's who's never practiced it, watched it, tried it out, go and try it out. Go and look into it. And don't take anyone's opinion and say it's not effective. It so when is. you say anyone, yeah. 
Anyone, anyone? Yeah, anyone. Yeah. I mean, don't worry, you're not going to go into a Muay Thai class and get elbowed in the face on your first day. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I've, I have gathered that it is... Class. Yeah, that, but that's the impression that you get from Muay Thai. That's the impression that I've got because it's extremely effective, lots of elbows. And but then so is karate, has got lots of elbows, it's extremely effective. It just depends yeah. on the level you go in at and where you're going to go and how you're going to train. See, that's that's another the, the observation there. That's one of the things people th- determine effectiveness by the way people train, not necessarily what they're training. And and that's a big thing to it. If people say, you know, Muay Thai is a sport. Well, yes, it is. But they they do a lot of live training all the time. And regardless of the kind of training you do, live training will make a difference in being effective for whatever you want it to be. Mm. You know, there is crossover to self-defense, you know, you learn to land a good solid elbow or a good solid right hand, that's going to cross over to self-defence. If you drill it live and you drill it against someone who doesn't want to be hit by it, there is crossover. There is. And that's one of the issues with karate, is is like we spoke about with Ian, there's not enough live drilling. I think, I don't don't know about you, but when um, we've started to do more live drilling, that's when it started to, like, wake up in, in my head that this was this was real you know doing it over and over again doing live drilling and that that um repetitive cycle of learning a technique and then taking it onto a pad and then learning how to do the live drill for it and then coming back to the kata and coming back to the technique and sort of doing that in a cyclical way over one session or over weeks has has for me that's that's been the thing i think that woke it up yeah. That made it go, oh, right, okay, this is a versatile, flexible, interesting thing to do. Yeah. Um, not that I didn't wasn't enjoying it before, but I think that that particular cycle is what woke it up in my head and made me realise that there was potential and possibilities and that when you actually then go and do a much, a slightly more live drill, you know, when you're free, kind of not, not quite grappling, but almost all in with someone, even just for two minutes. Yeah. You find yourself applying techniques that you've you've been learning. Yeah, definitely. And and, um, and that's quite a thrill when you you find yourself doing that. It's yeah. Like, oh my god! I know I've gone like total ooh, about it afterwards. Like my god, that really worked. Yeah, it's about like like Ian was saying, drilling below that level of adrenaline, so you can get that new habit drilled into you. Mm. And then when you go and apply it live, if it comes out, you've drilled it right. If you if you kind of freeze, then you need to drill it some more. Yeah. You need to practice it some more. But that live sparring, regardless of the kind of live sparring you do, is going to help. There's there's going to be some crossover to everywhere. Mm. Not not as much if you just do a certain specific goal-orientated type of sparring. Obviously, that's going to be more effective for your end goal. But, yeah, like, live, it's a must. It's a must for everyone to mm. do. It is. And it's more enjoyable than I thought it would be. Yeah, that because kind of thing once you it, it doesn't have to be kind of terrifying it doesn't have to be like we were saying last time it doesn't have to be full contact heavy contact it can still be fun and you can still be gaining benefit from it yeah you really you really can gain a lot of benefit from it and, and speaking of muay thai as well mm. when they spar they don't spar heavy if you watch some of them like they're very very gentle sparring because again you can't get shin kicked in the head many times over and continue to do it on a weekly basis you just can't (laughs) so they spar very light touch sparring and they're still some of the nastiest fighters on the planet so 
Really? Yeah. It, it, there's, there's a merit to sparring light and controlled. I don't know what other people's perceptions are, but it's so easy to look at stuff on TV or YouTube or what have you and, and see something and think, yeah, that looks really cool. But I can't do that because that's really, really, really looks aggressive and way too much for me to deal with. Yeah. Whereas when you look at karate and you see people in lines, you think, there you go, now I can do that. That's accessible for me. Yeah. So I think maybe... Maybe it's just a massive issue that a lot of martial arts have got with them, how they present themselves and how they market themselves. As, Maybe. It's always just like, but I, I think look how effective this is, as opposed to, here's, this is what entry level looks like. But I think entry level still needs to be effective. I think the trouble with, with advertising, you know, people see karate as walking up and down in lines yeah. and doing kata on your own. That is what gives people the impression that karate is not effective because... You know, how can people look at that and go, that's going to make, you know, if they want to learn self-defense and they see someone doing a kata, they're not going to go, oh, yeah, I'm going to, if someone tries to mug me, I'm going to be able to handle myself if I learn. That. <laughs> it's, you know, they're going to look at it. Whereas if, if they look at, you know, again, kickboxing Muay Thai, they'll go, OK, yeah, there's two people fighting. That, that will help me. Mm. So there is an issue with the way things are presented, I think. Yeah. So when I said this is what entry level looks like, I guess... I'm thinking that, well, I've certainly not seen it. You know, if you if you come along to Muay Thai, this is what's going to happen in your first few classes. You're going to learn this, this and this, and it's going to be fun and it's going to be, you know, you're not going to get hurt. I'll tell you a really good uh, video is, is, is Shane from Fight Tips, the YouTube channel. Brilliant channel. He put up um, a video a couple of weeks ago called, an in, I think it was like an introduction to Muay Thai, and it was a, basically, a, I think it was half an hour, an hour of just your starting lesson and it was really interesting it was really really good so yeah anyone wants to to watch that i'd recommend it shane from fight tips on youtube watch Mm. that video and all of his other videos because he's great yeah we should start sticking links to things that we talk about yeah we'll put Um, a link in the description we'll put a link to that in the description yes and um you know that by now if you listen to us that you can get in touch with us you know we're not hard to find (laughs) no we're (laughs) we're around We're around, so give us a shout. Actually, I was looking on the Anchor thing. You can send us a voice message on that. On um, my phone. Oh, okay. Anchor. Okay. I'm going to try it. I'll send, I'll send us a message. Send us a voice message and see what happens. <laughs> see yeah. what happens. So, yeah, give us, give us a shout. If there's some interesting links or anything that you see or hear anywhere that you think that, that observes something really nicely, then, you know, share it. Yes. It's all about figuring out how this stuff works and what, opening it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Well, if this stuff can open up to me, of all people, (laughs) (laughs) then it could definitely open up to other people. So, yeah. Okay, well, that's very nice. So, go and have a look at that clip later on. Check it out. And check out Muay Thai. Yeah, for sure. If you're coming from it from a a karate perspective, just look at it and see what you can take from it. Especially if you're into the more applied side of karate where you do do a lot of clinching, there's stuff you can take from Muay Thai to bring it into your game so do it i think i've said to you before that there's this um idea in my head of being a more complete fighter yeah you know i think um i like karate it's where i've started off and i can't imagine that i'm going to not want to have that as my central thing mm-hmm. but we've talked before about bringing in judo bringing in jiu-jitsu and yeah so i can see that you'd start to bring in peripheral but again like like I, like i said to you earlier that is what everyone in the old days 
in that little island of Okinawa. That's what they used to do. They would learn from a load of different people. It wouldn't they they wouldn't go. I'm not learning from you because you don't do karate because there was no karate. It was I'm going to learn from you because you're good at that. So you're really good at that particular technique. Teach it to me, and then I'll yeah. add it into this. And I don't see why that needs to stop just because we call ourselves karateka. You know, MMA guys don't say I'm not going to learn from you because you're this or that. No, they're going to see someone gonna, who's incredibly effective. They'll learn from anywhere and everywhere. You know, even like the point fighting stuff now is being used in MMA. You look at guys like Raymond Daniels and, and Michael Venom Page, incredibly effective in MMA with that freestyle point style sparring that developed from, from karate. You know, they're so hard to touch because they can move in and out so quick. Mm. So there's nothing off limits to them. So there shouldn't be anything off limits to you or us or anyone. No. Obviously, no. it depends on your goal. But, yeah, learn from anywhere and everywhere. There's no sense in saying I'm not going to learn that because it's not traditional or it's not what I do. Learn it. And if it's not for you, then you don't use it. At least you've tried. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good point. It's that also it's fine to discard try it and then discard it if it doesn't work for you it's the bruce lee philosophy like i said before he had it right however many years ago in the in the 60s he had it right before everyone was saying it you you learn you absorb what's useful and rejects what's useless yes you know there's no sense in practicing something if it doesn't work for you no there's no but i think having tried it is also yeah yeah yeah, definitely is also beneficial because you can still pass that on to someone else you yes. know, someone else can come along and say, I, I can't do what you do. And you say, ah, well, here's this thing that didn't work for me that might work for you. Which is why it's always good to have an experiment sometimes. Yeah. I think I've listened to Ian on the podcast, one of his podcasts before, where he said, you know, just because if you have 100 techniques and I teach someone these 100 techniques and they go, only 10 work for me, so I'm only going to teach those 10. In a few generations, you may have lost all 100 techniques because someone goes, they don't work for me. Whereas if you learn 100, only 10 work for you, but you teach all 100, a different 10 might work for somebody else. Mm. So just because something doesn't work for you doesn't mean you don't know it enough not to teach it to somebody because it may work for them. There's things I've taught you before that that I necessarily wouldn't use, Mm. but I can still do it enough to teach it to someone else that you might find more beneficial to you. Mm. Yeah, people sort of show me things and I go, oh, that detail there. And, and they're like, really? That detail? Like, yeah, that detail. That's, mm. that's brilliant for me. Whatever it is, I can't think of anything now. But, well, you know, yeah. you kind of latch on to something and yeah. go, oh, that, I really like that. I like the way it feels or mm-hmm. it feels really secure. Or it feels really powerful or whatever. It clearly just works with, you know, the way that you function, the way yeah. that you're doing it. Okay, well, I like that. I'm going to go look up some point I know. Do it. Do it. <laughs> And Lethway. Look up Lethway as well. It's based essentially Muay Thai with headbutts and no gloves. So anyone that says Muay Thai is not effective, Lethway, you can't say it about that. I'll leave it there. Okay. Yeah. It's left there. Okay, I'm going to give you a random question now. Okay, go. This came up the other day. Fire away. White geese, black geese. Some people don't like black geese. Some people do like black <laughs> geese. Some people think that coloured geese are absolutely outrageous. I mean, Go on, just for the record, point of view. I couldn't really care less on the colour of <laughs> geese anymore. I used to back I, back along. I used to be, you know, Jeff was was kind of. I, I said he used to be a big fan of the white geese, and then we moved to kickboxing geese for years. We wore kickboxing geese because 
Jeff hated the, the feel of a traditional gi. Really? He was like, they're too heavy, I can't move very well in it. I like, I prefer a kickboxing gi. So that's what we used to wear. The black belts would wear a, like a black trim kickboxing gi. And I prefer a heavyweight gi to train in. I also like training in a T-shirt and shorts. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it's only something you just wear for a couple hours at a time. So. Yeah, they're pretty practical. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I, I guess it's down to your club association. Some clubs and associations have strict rules on what you can and can't wear. So, you know, that's up mm. to them. I mean, I've seen all kinds of coloured geese. Same as you see different kinds of belts, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, that is, yeah. I've seen pink ones cropping up all over the place now. I think that's Jesse, Jesse Enkamp's karate nerd experience. They all wear pink belts. Yeah. Because he's, he, I think the idea is there's no rank. Everyone's the same. Yeah. So you don't know what rank your training partner is. Everyone's just, they're all learning. And I like that. That's, I like that. that I think that's good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, black gears can be cool. I would, I would, if I had a black gear, I'd wear it, I'm sure. Yeah. Be easier to wash. Yeah, it, for just sure. Speaking it would from look a, a very practical point of view. Yeah. Um, yeah, white geese. I, I particularly love the whole, you know, when someone's just got a new belt and they come in the following week with a spearmint coloured gee. <laughs> <laughs> With Jean LaBelle. Jean LaBelle, the, the judo legend, washed, washed his gi and something and it came out pink. Yeah. And everyone thought he was wearing a pink gi. And he said, no, I just washed it in with something and it came out pink. Yeah. But Did you start a trend? I think Ronda Rousey, didn't she wear a pink a pink gi? No I'm not sure. Maybe. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she did. Well, okay. So it doesn't matter. I like gis, though. Yeah, uh, I like them to train in, but, you know. Well, it's just, you know, they're good and strong. So actually, it doesn't really matter what you do, you know, wherever you get pulled or dragged or what have you. Yeah. They're practical. Literally practical. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I, They're not know. the comfiest things in the world sometimes, but... No. And the material can... Especially if, if you're doing a lot of grappling, a judo or jiu-jitsu is way better. That's for sure. Yeah. Really? Why? Why? It's softer on the inside. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, some of the Brazilian jiu-jitsu gis are amazing that I've seen you can buy now. Really? They're just, so, they just look so cool. I mean, you know, you'd probably get thrown out of a JKA class for wearing one because they just look good. I mean, look them up. Some of them are brilliant. They're expensive, but they just look cool. You see different coloured geese in, in BJJ all the time. I don't think anyone cares when you're getting strangled what colour the other person's gear is. Yeah, that's true. I think I think they're a bit more into, hello, you in the pink in the pink yeah. <laughs> come over here and see if you can strangle me yes you can well done well all done. respect to you yes <laughs> no but blackies i i i blackie maybe yeah i mean it does look i it does look weird sometimes because you are used to seeing the white gear in karate mm. it is prominent so when you see a black gear, it does throw you off a bit but you mm. know i think who does this who does this person think he is yeah, that's that's one thing I, I've noticed is is the diff, the different coloured geese. People often kind of associate them with, yeah, you know, uh, how do I say it? Like a McDojo. Yeah, yeah. There's the term that everyone McDojo. loves a McDojo. Yeah, but you know that is that is a good term. It is. I don't know who first came up with that. I don't know. It's a good term though. Yeah. It's a good way of um, of describing something that's, I don't know, bothers me a lot, the idea of McDojo's. Yeah, yeah, there's plenty of them around. I won't name names, but there are some. Again, I think, I don't know, something is defective, I think, in in the way that people are, you know, the general public understand 
what martial arts is and how it's taught and how it's effective and what it's all about. There has to be, in some ways, if people are going to send their children off to a McDojo, they're a black belt in two years flat and they think... It's appealing. And they think they can do something and they can't. And what worries me is not that they're not having a great time. That's fine. And it's a version of martial arts and that's fine. It's all fine. I have no issues with that. What worries me to death is that people are going to think that they can achieve something or handle themselves in a Mm. situation, maybe even put themselves in a situation and then find themselves in terrible trouble. Yeah, that yeah, bothers agree. me. It bothers me. I, so this is, I'll bring this up. This isn't to do with the McDojo, but it's to do with false confidence. It's, it's a friend of mine. Um, her friend has recently started working in um, like a psychiatric hospital. Yeah. Um, and she was telling me how they were being taught restraints and things, how to deal with yes. if people kick off. Yeah, and safe, I was, safely managing somebody. Yeah, and yeah. I was going, that's insane to me. Who is teaching this and how are they saying that's effective to people? Because, yeah. you know, this girl's five foot something, mm. you know, weighs nothing. How is she going to control someone who is not of sound mind kicking off? And she was telling me that, yeah, she came home and she was, you know, saying how she can restrain this person and that person. And I was going, it will not work that way. It's giving people... And now she has false confidence that she can effectively do this. And it's the same with these McDojos. They give people false confidence. And it was like Ian was saying last time on the podcast is doing scenario drills. People feel comfortable getting good at a scenario because then they go, oh, I've practised this scenario. I know if this happens, I can handle it. But things don't happen like that. You can't wait for a certain scenario to react. And yeah. it's, you know, it, it builds that false confidence. It does. But, the, yeah, the kids thing, I, I agree with you, it's... Well, they're not, yeah. I, th- I think there's this element of, you might think that you're doing something to a standard and maybe you're not. Yeah. Jamie Club's got some really good stuff on children's martial arts and children's self-defence. So, Is he? Yeah, go and check out Jamie Club's stuff. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Does he talk about sort of? It's it's for me. It's a lot of this is about how to how to know what it is that you're about to go and learn, how to know what the club means. No, not means. Yeah, what the belts represent. How far along the journey you're going yeah. to be. I think karate's pretty clear about that. I don't know mm. about judo, but I guess it probably is. I think it's probably getting more clear. I think. Yeah, you know, for sure it is. I yeah. think it's getting clearer about whether you're going to be sparring or, or learning self-defence or whether you're going to be doing the, you know, quote-unquote yeah. traditional. I think the important thing is for parents that want to take their kids into things is do your research. And, you know, if, you, if you're if you going to send someone to somewhere, go and watch a class, go and talk to the instructors, find out what it is you're going to get, yeah. the prices of things. Because, yeah. you know, I remember we, we had kids come to train with us who came from quote-unquote mcdojo and they said oh yeah you know he was ready to take his black belt um soon but it's just too expensive and we go oh ready you know near a black belt okay cool we'll we'll have we'll have a look and you go what a black belt in what like how i mean you know kids black belts is a a whole other can of worms that people can debate all day yeah i've I've heard that to bits of that debate it would be an interesting one to have have a pro- proper conversation yeah maybe on, we'll do a full I, I've, I've chat on it one understood day. it to be a kind of a junior black belt that then gets yeah. translated into a, a slightly lower belt in the adult and then you 
you you sort of bring it back up is is that am i sort of broadly right yeah in my understanding? yeah you are. yeah yeah. yeah generally most places under 16s yeah. you'll have what's known as a junior or cadet black belt and then you will do something either grade again or do some kind of um progression to an adult black belt yeah yeah well it seems reasonable because then presumably that the then the junior is clear that they aren't doing everything that an adult black belt would do yeah i mean when i did my grading I, like i've said before i was i was 12 when i did my black belt grading but i trained yeah. i you know i sparred with adults i trained alongside adults that's just the way you did it but i think if the syllabus was a kid's syllabus then yeah you need to understand that there's going to be some crossover and some some difference in when you get to an adult yeah yeah but i mean i know that some some parents would be going to a place that is just packed full of kids and it's just all looks tremendous and everyone's pretty much having a really good time why would they not be enjoying that yeah but that's you know realistically what do kids need to learn for self-defense wise yeah you know should they just be going to have fun yeah probably are you going to be too worried about if they're learning how to punch someone in the face you know it depends on on their age really you know mm. five or six year olds just let them go and have fun you can still learn things in a fun way without kind of drilling mm. in this strict martial attitude to them you know if they enjoy it there's room for that when they progress yeah i i think the thing is though i mean the, the parents might be thinking i mean i don't know but so your, your kid wants to go learn and he goes along and he enjoys it and that's all terrific. And they, and all of a sudden he's like, I'm I'm serious about this. And he turns into a kid like presumably you were, like, mm. I like this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. Yeah. That would be the moment to shift over into a different kind of club where it's actually serious. Because yeah. if you don't know that that club isn't serious, if you don't get that, yeah. then you're going to be spending the next three years of your life watching that happen and not knowing that it's not... I mean, we were talking to someone just the other day, someone that we know, who said that their son was in one of those classes. And he does martial arts, mm. but he hadn't been there. He yeah. hadn't really paid attention to what was happening. His kid yeah. was happy. It was all good. And then he paid attention. It's like, oh, no, 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 yeah. no, no way in hell. Out you come. Yeah. And put him in somewhere, somewhere better where it was actually trained. It happens. It's a worry. <laughs> it is a worry, but you, there's not really anything other than doing your research, like like he did there. You you can't really do anything, you know. I think that's maybe the the thing, isn't it? Is is when you say go do your research, rather than asking around in Facebook groups or online, find out four clubs nearby you. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Go yeah. to them. Yeah, go and watch. Sit in on a class. Sit, yes, watch exactly. the children. If they've got if they're teaching good stuff and they've got nothing to hide, they will have no issue with you watching a class. You know, if someone's you know said, "Can we come and watch you train?" Yeah, of course you can. If they say no, then that's a red flag. Yeah, you've got what, to wonder what yeah. what's the problem. Yeah. So yeah, go then. Go spend some time actually sit in on some classes and watch the kids. Yeah. First of all, they're having a good time, I'd say. You know, yeah. but are they? Do they seem to be getting in there, doing some work. Well, like Ian was saying, is it safe, productive, and fun? You need to hit those three things, and I think that's a good model for anyone, kids, adults, whatever age you are. As long as you're hitting those three points, I think you know you made a great point. That's what your training needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because you'll keep doing it that way. Yeah, of course you will. Yeah. Yeah, and and I hadn't um, 
that that's the that's now a little mantra going around in the back of my head. So if I read comments online or anything, mm-hmm. and people are saying, "Yeah, you definitely need to train a lot harder," you know, and have punches, you know, take a lot of heavy punches. I'm now hearing that in my head and thinking, yeah. "There's no need. You yeah. don't need to do that." You know, little bits, but not that much. Yeah. Because it's not safe. You're going to get ill and then you're not going to be able to train anymore. Yeah. Well, like we said last <laughs> week, you know, if you're if your training is making you more unsafe than what you're training for, then you're training wrong. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I, I think very few of us, like he said, are actually going to be put in a position where we have to fight for our lives on the streets. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, touch wood. You, you, you like like he was saying, we live in a relatively safe kind of environment these days you know despite what you might see on the news it's not kind of a a massively violent place out there some places are obviously yeah it depends where you go in the world but um yeah i mean we're in rural england at the moment so we're not too badly off no we're all right but yeah obviously things happen everywhere but again it comes down to the soft skills as long as you're, you're switched on you're aware of your surroundings, this, that, and the other. Hopefully, you never need to throw a punch, but it doesn't mean you can't train to have fun. Yeah, and enjoy it. Yeah, and we've said before, it's a really odd thing to enjoy. Yeah, it is, but you know, this is this is one of those things. It's like chess sometimes. You know, it's, that's what I think. High-level martial arts is like chess. You're trying yeah. to figure each other out. You know, you shared a video. It's a game. You shared a video. I'm really sorry to to you and everyone. I never know the names of anybody. What was the video? The video was a super high high ranking Brazilian. I can never say that. Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Thank you. BJJ. <laughs> oh, I know the video. Super quick. And yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. went to a class and he was so humble. But Keenan he was, Cornelius, I believe there his you name go. is. Yeah. Now, for me, that was when I... I you, you hadn't said about chess before, but I remember sending you a message saying, oh my God, this is literally like chess. Yeah. Because he was saying, okay, so come at me. Anything you so, like. So yeah, the, the video is essentially Keenan had taught a seminar at this group and he, at the end, he was going to roll with everyone in the seminar, regardless of grade. You know, gently, he wasn't going mad. But it was just incredibly amazing to watch it's about a 40 minute video again we'll link it in the in the notes so you can watch it even if you're not a jiu-jitsu fan watch it because the way he handles every single person in that group with kind of different levels of intensity you know he he lowers himself to everyone's level even though he's dominating everyone he gives people chances if they're struggling he'll go maybe try this you know it's brilliant to watch but it is like chess because he'll do things he'll go ah see i wanted you to do that because now I can do this. Yeah. And now you've just reacted that way, I'm going to take this and do that. Yeah, and he knew. He knew every move that there was available. Exactly, so yeah. it was just like a chess master. I mean, he is one of the best Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu players in the world. So, yeah, yeah I don't think, not, not everyone could do that. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you've got to have goals, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I think that actually, if you look at him, the goal might not be to be as good as that, but to have a goal to... Know that you can think like that. Yeah. And be calm enough to be able to think like that. Yeah. And again, that's drilling below a level, isn't it? It is. That's, you know, that's a very, very low intensity way to drill and practice. So that those people, I'm sure, afterwards will have had a whole new idea of 
how they can drill, how they can, you know, do different things. I was just checking, make sure I had his name right then. I was panicking. I was going, I hadn't butchered Keenan's name, but no, I got it right. It's <laughs> <Okay>. fine. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. No, but I think, I think having a goal like that, so, you know, they will all, I'm sure, have come to their jiu-jitsu in a very different way the very next time that they train. Yeah. Possibly in a calmer, more focused if he does this, then I can do that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, as you roll. So as something comes up, you think, oh, maybe I could yeah. do this, which is exactly the way that you want to start thinking. I think it's just great for anyone, you know, when you watch that video, anyone at that seminar, you know, mm. people don't do that. You know, to have that level of confidence for him to go, I will roll with every single person in this room. That's confidence, mm. you know, that comes from, a very very high level but you know you you don't get that with a lot of people but that's one of the reasons i do like jiu-jitsu though is because you know he, you can roll like that you're getting live training in and no one's really getting hurt you know you're not getting punched in the face you're oh not no getting, it was incredibly low level know, in terms of in terms of there was no aggression in that at all but, but it's still for anyone rolling with him they're getting probably the best training they can get in that they've had yes. because they're rolling with a an elite level grappler yeah who you know, is helping them. And it's hard to do that in striking arts. It's hard, you know, if you trained with a world champion level Muay Thai fighter or kickboxer or yeah. UFC, you know, you're more likely to get hurt than Yeah, but you're... it depends though. I mean, um, I've done, obviously I've done a fair amount of sparring now, but when I train with somebody who's really good, who's got time, to spend with me you're spending like four or five minutes mm. sparring It'd be a case of when you go wrong no you know it's not it's it's intense but it's not hard yeah 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 so if i'm training with you you'll take a minute to say put your left hand up yeah but you well, know, I'm, or, I'm conscious of kind of coaching or, you through as well though but that's exactly what i mean yeah. you coach through so there's levels yeah, I see your point. Yeah. Do, do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. So you are actually getting yeah, get that you. that standard. Yeah. So when you go to somebody who's better than you but not much, you're you're focused on what you're doing and you're focused on what they're doing. You're not coaching. No one's, you know, you're, yeah, I you're, see you're literally saying. learning yeah. at that point. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you went off to, you know, literally spar with somebody, then yeah, you're going to get hurt. But if the focus is to learn, yeah, that's what happens. That's what you do. That's what Brad does. That's what Joe does. That's what Jeff does. Cool. you know it's good talk to know. you through it yeah so that you actually go oh okay yeah yeah i, I got it now i put my hand up yeah you know bring the other hand in move faster or move sideways you know you, you didn't see the kick coming that's because you're not paying attention <laughs> you know sort of <laughs> get up <laughs> get off the floor sue come on wake up sue, sue. <laughs> in fairness no one's ever said any of that to me no <laughs> <laughs> Call an ambulance again. Yeah, again, Sue. <laughs> no, no, that's not happened either. No one's called me an ambulance. Just let me get on with it. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, that's true. We did drive you to A&E once, though, and it was closed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Never mind. Never again. But yeah, watch that video. I'll link it. Keenan Cornelius it rolling was... with a group of people at seminar is fantastic to watch. I would say so. And I mean, I'm not... I'm I'm kind of interested in Brazilian jiu-jitsu just because I think I'm interested in the idea of doing something extra to karate. Yeah, I'd love, like I've said before, I'd love to get into it kind of 
regularly, but just having the time to yeah. add that into your kind of training is, is hard and keep it consistent. Yeah. You don't want to do something half heartedly. So I've done I've done a few classes here and there and I do really enjoy it, but it's yeah, I'd love to get into it. It yeah. is really good fun and you can learn a lot from it. I think it's like amazingly good fun. Yeah. I'd like to do it too, but uh, yeah, where we are, there's not a huge amount out there. But um, I think the video, whether you're interested in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you see how carefully well I said yeah, that? you said that very good. <laughs> um, I don't think it matters if you don't like it. It's it's not just a masterclass in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's a masterclass in how to receive training and how to deliver training. Yeah, and it's how just, to it's just, learn things in a in a in a logical, orderly way. Yeah, it's just a lesson on how any black belt should behave, yes. in my opinion. You know, just yeah, incredibly actually, yes. humble, spends time with every single person at that seminar. It's just, yeah, that's how you should be. Yeah. If you're a, a high level instructor, that is how you should you should act, in my opinion. Yeah, well done, Keenan. Yeah, well Good done, job. Keenan. It was, I have to say, it was it was. Uh, felt a little bit privileged just being able to watch that mm. just how good he was yeah. yes I, w- I would probably go off to a seminar of his knowing nothing oh, just God, just yeah. to be allowed to sit in the corner and pay attention yeah, yeah, yeah. i would do that yeah does he ever come here i would imagine so. i honestly don't know maybe i would imagine so we should find out yeah we'll find out if you want to go to a jiu-jitsu seminar we can definitely find one and go i think i'd really enjoy that yeah one for beginners right <laughs> I mean, you can go in at any level. I'm sure they wouldn't... Well, obviously, I yeah, don't go to an elite grappling seminar. No, but <laughs> not yeah. unless I want my head to be sort of ending up completely around the other way afterwards. No, I'm sure there's somewhere you can go. Yeah, I might look at that, because that would be interesting. But I would like to see him, I think. Yeah. I think he would be some something to see. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Well, well, we'll have a look. We'll see. Anyone knows of any elite level... Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guys in the UK. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know there are loads, but give us some names. Yeah. And Sue can take her pick for who to train with. <laughs> Especially if they do things um, like open seminars. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, a yeah, kind yeah. of, if you're doing martial arts, that's great, but you don't need to be yeah, of a I, high yeah. level. That would be incredibly interesting. Mm-hmm. So I think we said before, it does depend, each seminar does depend where you are. In your own journey, your own experience, just to how much you're going to get out yeah, of it, most how people, much they, you're going to be able well, to participate. Normally, we'll say, you know, in the advert for the seminar, this is for, you know, if you do jiu-jitsu, it's blue belt and above, or this is brown belt and above, or you know, if even like Ian seminars, he'll say this is appropriate for all grades. You don't need any knowledge of the kata, or mm. you'll know before you before you get there how okay. how you're going to find it. Okay, I'm going to start opening this up then, aren't we? Go and find out more about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Do it. So we've covered, on a karate podcast, we've covered Muay Thai, kickboxing, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. But like you pointed out... Conversations on martial arts. Conversations on martial arts. Yeah. Absolutely. All martial arts. Yes. But like you say, karate came from a melting pot. Yeah. And continues to be, martial arts continues to be, really, a melting pot. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, sounds it sounds like be. it to me. Yes. It sounds like it to me. Again, it's a little bit like dance in that respect. You know, classical and then mm-hmm. everything else. Yeah. But no, it's a melting pot. Okay, cool. Well, I think that's a really nice place to leave it. Yeah, I think so. Thank you to everyone for listening, especially last week. We had some good responses to, to Ian's guest appearance on the show. 
weekend. So, um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Keep sending us feedback. Anything you want us to discuss, let us know. Yeah, if you want our take on anything, yeah, send us a question. Yes. Wonderful. Thanks very much, Greg. Thank you, Sue. And uh, have a great day, and uh, catch you all next time. See you next time. Bye.